Question 47, Part 1 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, The Virtue of Prudence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, The Virtue of Prudence by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 47. Of Prudence, Considered in Itself, in Sixteen Articles. Part 1, Articles 1 through 5. After treating of the theological virtues, we must in due sequence consider the cardinal virtues. In the first place, we shall consider prudence in itself, secondly its parts thirdly the corresponding gift fourthly the contrary vices fifthly the precepts concerning prudence under the first head there are sixteen points of inquiry first whether prudence is in the will or in the reason second if in the reason whether it is only in the practical or also in the speculative reason third whether it takes cognizance of singulars fourth whether it is virtue fifth whether it is a special virtue sixth whether it appoints the end to the moral virtues seventh whether it fixes the mean in the moral virtues eighth whether its proper act is command Ninth, whether solicitude or watchfulness belongs to prudence. Tenth, whether prudence extends to the governing of many. Eleventh, whether the prudence which regards private good is the same in species as that which regards the common good. Twelfth, whether prudence is in subjects or only in their rulers. Thirteenth, whether prudence is in the wicked. Fourteenth, whether prudence is in all good men. Fifteenth, whether prudence is in us naturally. Sixteenth, whether prudence is lost by forgetfulness. First article, whether prudence is in the cognitive or in the appetitive faculty. Objection one it would seem that prudence is not in the cognitive, but in the appetitive faculty. For Augustine says, on the morals of the Catholic Church, 15, Prudence is love choosing wisely between the things that help and those that hinder. Now love is not in the cognitive, but in the appetitive faculty. Therefore prudence is in the appetitive faculty. Objection 2. Further, as appears from the foregoing definition, it belongs to prudence to choose wisely. But choice is an act of the appetitive faculty as stated above, pars prima secundae, question 13, article 1. Therefore prudence is not in the cognitive, but in the appetitive faculty. Objection 3. Further, 
the philosopher says in ethics six five that in art it is better to err voluntarily than involuntarily whereas in the case of prudence as of the virtues it is worse now the moral virtues of which he is treating there are in the appetitive faculty whereas art is in the reason therefore prudence is in the appetitive rather than in the rational faculty on the contrary augustine says in his 83 questions question 61 prudence is the knowledge of what to seek and what to avoid i answer that as isidore says in his etymologies 10 a prudent man is one who sees as it were from afar for his sight is keen and he foresees the event of uncertainties now sight belongs not to the appetitive but to the cognitive faculty wherefore it is manifest that prudence belongs directly to the cognitive and not to the sensitive faculty because by the latter we know nothing but what is within reach and offers itself to the senses while to obtain knowledge of the future from knowledge of the present or past which pertains to prudence belongs properly to the reason because this is done by a process of comparison it follows therefore that prudence properly speaking is in the reason reply to objection one as stated above in pars prima question eighty two article four the will moves all the faculties to their acts now the first act of the appetitive faculty is love as stated above pars prima secunde question twenty five articles one and two accordingly prudence is said to be love not indeed essentially but in so far as love moves to the act of prudence wherefore augustine goes on to say that Prudence is love discerning aright, that which helps from that which hinders us in tending to God. Now love is said to discern because it moves the reason to discern. Reply to Objection 2 The prudent man considers things afar off, insofar as they tend to be a help or a hindrance to that which has to be done at the present time. Hence it is clear that those things which prudence considers stand in relation to this other, as in relation to the end. Now of those things that are directed to the end, there is counsel in the reason, and choice in the appetite, of which too, counsel belongs more properly to prudence, since the philosopher states in Ethics 6, 5, 7, and 9, that a prudent man takes good counsel. But as choice presupposes counsel, since it is the desire for what has been already counseled, Ethics 3.2, it follows that choice can also be ascribed to prudence indirectly, insofar, to wit, as prudence directs the choice by means of counsel. Reply to Objection 3. The worth of prudence consists not in thought merely but in its application to action, which is the end of the practical reason. Wherefore, if any defect occur in this, it is most contrary to prudence, since, 
the end being of most import in everything, it follows that a defect which touches the end is the worst of all. Hence the philosopher goes on to say, in Ethics 6.5, that prudence is something more than a merely rational habit, such as art is, since, as stated above, in Pars Prima Secundae, question 57, article 4, it includes application to action, which application is an act of the will. Second article, whether prudence belongs to the practical reason alone or also to the speculative reason. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence belongs not only to the practical, but also to the speculative reason. For it is written in Proverbs 10.23, Wisdom is prudence to a man. Now wisdom consists chiefly in contemplation. Therefore prudence does also. Objection 2. Further, Ambrose says, on the duties of the clergy, 124. Prudence is concerned with the quest of truth and fills us with a desire of fuller knowledge. Now this belongs to the speculative reason. Therefore prudence resides also in the speculative reason. Objection 3. Further, the philosopher assigns art and prudence to the same part of the soul. Ethics 6.1 now art may be not only practical but also speculative as in the case of the liberal arts therefore prudence also is both practical and speculative on the contrary the philosopher says in ethics 6 5 that prudence is right reason applied to action now this belongs to none but the practical reason Therefore prudence is in the practical reason only. I answer that. According to the philosopher in Ethics 6.5, a prudent man is one who is capable of taking good counsel. Now counsel is about things that we have to do in relation to some end. And the reason that deals with things to be done for an end is the practical reason. Hence, it is evident that prudence resides only in the practical reason. Reply to Objection 1. As stated above, in Question 45, Articles 1 and 3, wisdom considers the absolutely highest cause, so that the consideration of the highest cause in any particular genus belongs to wisdom in that genus. Now, in the genus of human acts, the highest cause is the common end of all life, and it is this end that prudence intends. For the philosopher says, in Ethics 6.5, that just as he who reasons well for the realization of a particular end, such as victory, is said to be prudent, not absolutely, but in a particular genus, namely warfare, so that he reasons well with regard to right conduct as a whole, is said to be prudent absolutely. Wherefore, it is clear that prudence is wisdom about human affairs, but not wisdom absolutely, because it is not about the absolutely highest cause, for it is about human good, 
and this is not the best thing of all. And so it is stated significantly that prudence is wisdom for man, but not wisdom absolutely. Reply to Objection 2. Ambrose, and Tully also, in Rhetorics 2.53, take the word prudence in a broad sense for any human knowledge, whether speculative or practical. And yet it may also be replied that the act itself of the speculative reason, in so far as it is voluntary, is a matter of choice and counsel as to its exercise, and consequently comes under the direction of prudence. On the other hand, as regards its specification in relation to its object, which is the necessary true, it comes under neither counsel nor prudence. Reply to Objection 3. Every application of right reason in the work of production belongs to art, but to prudence belongs only the application of right reason in matters of counsel, which are those wherein there is no fixed way of obtaining the end, as stated in Ethics 3.3. Since, then, the speculative reason makes things such as syllogisms, propositions, and the like, wherein the process follows certain and fixed rules. Consequently, in respect of such things, it is possible to have the essentials of art, but not of prudence. And so we find such a thing as speculative art, but not a speculative prudence. Third article. Whether prudence takes cognizance of singulars. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence does not take cognizance of singulars. For prudence is in the reason, as stated above in Articles 1 and 2. But reason deals with universals, according to Physics 1.5. Therefore, prudence does not take cognizance except of universals. Objection 2. Further, Singulars are infinite in number. But the reason cannot comprehend an infinite number of things. Therefore prudence, which is right reason, is not about singulars. Objection 3. Further, particulars are known by the senses. But prudence is not a sense, for many persons who have keen outward senses are devoid of prudence. Therefore, prudence does not take cognizance of singulars. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 6-7 that prudence does not deal with universals only, but needs to take cognizance of singulars also. I answer that, as stated above in Articles 1, third reply, to prudence belongs not only the consideration of the reason, but also the application to action, which is the end of the practical reason. But no man can conveniently apply one thing to another, unless he knows both the thing to be applied and the thing to which it has to be applied. Now actions are in singular matters, and so it is necessary for the prudent man to know both the universal principles of reason and the singulars about which actions are concerned. 
Reply to Objection 1. Reason first and chiefly is concerned with universals, and yet it is able to apply universal rules to particular cases. Hence the conclusions of syllogisms are not only universal, but also particular, because the intellect, by a kind of reflection, extends to matter, as stated in On the Soul number 3. Reply to Objection 2. It is because the infinite number of singulars cannot be comprehended by human reason that our counsels are uncertain, wisdom 9.14. Nevertheless, experience reduces the infinity of singulars to a certain finite number which occur as a general rule, and the knowledge of these suffices for human prudence. Reply to Objection 3. As the philosopher says in Ethics 6.8, prudence does not reside in the external senses whereby we know sensible objects, but in the interior sense, which is perfected by memory and experience, so as to judge promptly of particular cases. This does not mean, however, that prudence is in the interior sense as in its principal subject, for it is chiefly in the reason yet by a kind of application it extends to this sense. Fourth article, whether prudence is a virtue. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence is not a virtue. For Augustine says, on the free choice of the will, one thirteen, that prudence is the science of what to desire and what to avoid. Now science is condivided with virtue, as appears in the categories 6. Therefore prudence is not a virtue. Objection 2. Further, there is no virtue of a virtue, but there is a virtue of art, as the philosopher states in Ethics 6.5. Wherefore, art is not a virtue. Now, there is prudence in art, for it is written in Second Chronicles 2.14, concerning Hiram, that he knew to grave all sort of graving, and to devise ingeniously, prudenter, all that there may be need of in the work. Therefore, prudence is not a virtue. Objection 3. Further, no virtue can be immoderate. But prudence is a moderate, else it would be useless to say, as in Proverbs 23.4, set bounds to thy prudence. Therefore prudence is not a virtue. On the contrary, Gregory states, on the morals of Job 2.49, that prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice are four virtues. I answer that, as stated above, in Pars Prima Secundae, question 55, article 3, and question 56, article 1, when we were treating of virtues in general, virtue is that which makes its possessor good, and his work good likewise. Now good may be understood in a twofold sense. First, materially, for the thing that is good, 
secondly formally under the aspect of good good under the aspect of good is the object of the appetitive power hence if any habits rectify the consideration of reason without regarding the rectitude of the appetite they have less of the nature of a virtue since they direct man to good materially that is to say to the thing which is good but without considering it under the aspect of good on the other hand those virtues which regard the rectitude of the appetite have more of the nature of virtue because they consider the good not only materially but also formally in other words they consider that which is good under the aspect of good now it belongs to prudence as stated above in articles one third apply article three to apply right reason to action and this is not done without a right appetite hence prudence has the nature of virtue not only as the other intellectual virtues have it but also as the moral virtues have it among which virtues it is enumerated reply to objection one augustine there takes science in the broad sense for any kind of right reason reply to objection two the philosopher says that there is a virtue of art because art does not require rectitude of the appetite wherefore in order that a man may make right use of his art he needs to have a virtue which will rectify his appetite prudence however has nothing to do with the matter of art because art is both directed to a particular end and has fixed means of obtaining that end and yet by a kind of comparison a man may be said to act prudently in matters of art moreover in certain arts on account of the uncertainty of the means for obtaining the end there is need for counsel as for instance in the arts of medicine and navigation as stated in ethics three three reply to objection three this saying of the wise man does not mean that prudence itself should be moderate but that moderation must be imposed on other things according to prudence fifth article whether prudence is a special virtue objection one it would seem that prudence is not a special virtue for no special virtue is included in the definition of virtue in general since virtue is defined in ethics two six an elective habit that follows a mean appointed by reason in relation to ourselves even as a wise man decides now right reason is reason in accordance with prudence as stated in ethics six thirteen therefore prudence is not a special virtue objection two further the philosopher says in ethics six thirteen that the effect of moral virtue is right action as regards the end and that of prudence right action as regards the means now in every virtue certain things have to be done as a means to the end therefore prudence is in every virtue and consequently it is not a special virtue 
Objection 3. Further, a special virtue has a special object. But prudence has not a special object, for it is right reason applied to action, as stated in Ethics 6.5, and all works of virtue are actions. Therefore prudence is not a special virtue. On the contrary, it is distinct from and numbered among the other virtues, for it is written in Wisdom 8.7, She teacheth temperance and prudence, justice and fortitude. I answer that, since acts and habits take their species from their objects as shown above, pars prima secundae, question 1, article 3, question 18, article 2, question 54, article 2. Any habit that has a corresponding special object, distinct from other objects, must needs be a special habit, and if it be a good habit, it must be a special virtue. Now an object is called special not merely according to the consideration of its matter, but rather according to its formal aspect, as explained above. Pars prima secundae, question 54, article 2, first reply. Because one and the same thing is the subject matter of the acts of different habits, and also of different powers, according to its different formal aspects. Now a yet greater difference of object is requisite for a difference of powers than for a difference of habits, since several habits are found in the same power, as stated above. Pars prima secundae, question 54, article 1. Consequently, any difference in the aspect of an object that requires a difference of powers will, a fortiori, require a difference of habits. Accordingly, we must say that since prudence is in the reason, as stated above, Article 2, it is differentiated from the other intellectual virtues by a material difference of objects. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are about necessary things, whereas art and prudence are about contingent things, art being concerned with things made, that is, with things produced in external matter such as a house, a knife, and so forth. And prudence, being concerned with things done, that is, with things that have their being in the doer himself, as stated above, pars prima secundae, question 57, article 4. On the other hand, prudence is differentiated from the moral virtues according to a formal aspect distinctive of powers, that is, the intellective power, wherein is prudence, and the appetitive power, wherein is moral virtue. Hence it is evident that prudence is a special virtue, distinct from all other virtues. Reply to Objection 1. This is not a definition of virtue in general, but of moral virtue, the definition of which fittingly includes an intellectual virtue, notably prudence which has the same matter in common with moral virtue. Because, just as the subject of moral virtue is something that partakes of reason, so moral virtue has the aspect of virtue insofar as it partakes of intellectual virtue. 
Reply to Objection 2. This argument proves that prudence helps all the virtues, and works in all of them. But this does not suffice to prove that it is not a special virtue, for nothing prevents a certain genus from containing a species which is operative in every other species of that same genus, even as the sun has an influence over all bodies. Reply to Objection 3. Things done are indeed the matter of prudence, in so far as they are the object of reason, that is, considered as true. But they are the matter of the moral virtues, in so far as they are the object of the appetitive power, that is, considered as good. End of question 47, part 1. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.